0: For it is the power of God into salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. We welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the salvation of the lost and the revival of God's people. I'm Alan Mashburn, your Bible teacher and the pastor of Asbury Baptist Church, located at 218 Asbury Church Road in Seagrove, North Carolina. We invite you to visit our church at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. On Sunday evenings, we provide online services, which can be viewed on gospeldynamite.org. Now please join me in the study of the Word of God. You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. Thank you for joining us. I invite you to take your Bible, turn with us to Revelation 14, verses 1 through 5, as we look at the subject after the storms have passed. Revelation 14, 1 through 5. And I looked, and, lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne. And before the four beasts and the elders, and no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with women, but they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. If you've been studying along with us as we move through this amazing book, you know that the last two chapters have been dark, depressing, and very discouraging. We've been talking about the devil, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. We've witnessed the depths of depravity as man abandons his creator to worship the devil through his false Christ. Now the scene changes. Chapter 14 is like a glorious rainbow after a fierce storm. God takes the brush of his grace and he repaints the landscape of Revelation. He gives us a breath of heavenly air in these verses, and only God can do that. Only God can take that which is horrible beyond words and turn it into a thing of glory. That's exactly what he's doing here in these verses. In this passage, we're allowed to get a small glimpse of heavenly glory. We're allowed to see the Lamb of God. He is the theme of the book, and he is center stage in these verses. It would be a blessing if we could figure out how to keep Jesus at the center of everything we do in our lives as individuals and specifically in the life of the church. In these verses, we meet again the 144,000 Jewish evangelists who were selected and sealed in chapter 7. These men have preached the gospel of the kingdom during the darkest days of the tribulation. They were persecuted by the Antichrist, but they were preserved by God. At some point during the tribulation, when they have served their purpose, God will allow the 144,000 to be killed by the Antichrist. These men will then join their Redeemer, the Lamb of God, in his glory, in his heaven. That is the scene we are to investigate today. These men have weathered the terrible storm here on the earth. And now for them, at least, the storm is over, and they're home with the Lamb. I want to show you the facts revealed in these verses concerning the one hundred. Forty-four thousand. Beginning in verse one, we see they are a rescued army. That is, they are protected by God. When we first met this group of men. It was in Revelation seven, three and four. There, the Bible says, saying, "Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees." till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. I heard the number of them which were sealed. There were sealed 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. These men have been sealed by God and have been protected by him through the darkest days of the tribulation. Hundreds of millions, perhaps even billions of people Have died, but these men have been protected through all of it because they've been sealed by God. The earth will be stained red with the blood of holy martyrs, but these men will be protected through all of it. Satan will hunt them, harass them, but he will be powerless to kill them because they've been sealed by God. They have his name in their foreheads, and they are untouchable. Satan marked his people, and they're headed to hell. God seals his servants, and they're bound for glory. I just want to remind you that Satan marks his people. According to Revelation 13, verse 60, In the tribulation, he'll mark them with the mark of the beast. Today, he marks their bodies, their hearts, their minds with the scars of their sin. Satan marks all of those who follow him. God, on the other hand, seals his people. He places his seal upon them. He labels them as his own possession. Titus 2.14, 2 Corinthians one twenty two, Ephesians 1.13, Ephesians 4.30. We're sealed until the day of redemption. The Spirit of God takes up residence in our hearts and he seals himself in, and he seals Satan out. While these men arrive on Mount Zion, there are just as many as there were when they were sealed back in chapter 7. God sealed 144,000, and now 144,000 stand with the Lamb in glory. They're not 143,999. There are 144,000. He brought in just as many as he called out. The same is true for all of God's saints. According to his word, we've been sealed until the day of redemption, Ephesians 4.30. We're also told that Jesus will not lose a single one of those given to him by his father, John 6, verses 37 to 40. Those who are saved are sure as heaven as if they were already there, Romans 8.28 through 30, Ephesians 2.6. Jesus gives eternal life and eternal security to every single person who trusts him for their salvation. And when the role is called in glory, not one single person will be missing. When the family gathers for the marriage supper of the lamb, there will not be an empty seat at the table. God will bring all of his children home. And then we're told that these men meet the Lamb on Mount Zion. This is an ancient name for the city of Jerusalem. You'll find that in Psalm 48 and verse 2 and 2 Samuel 5 and 7. Jerusalem is referred, referred to Mount, as Mount Zion at least 21 times in the word of God. Some commentators believe that John is referring to the earthly city of Jerusalem. They think we're seeing a vision of the coming millennium, kingdom, and Jesus will rule on the earth for a thousand years. I just happen to believe that we're seeing a heavenly scene. These men have served their time. They have fulfilled their mission. They have been brought into the presence of the Almighty. Verse 3 talks about heavenly singing. Verse 5 shows them standing before the throne of God in glory. These men have been rescued out of a world gone mad. And they're home in the presence of the Father and of the Lamb. Now we should praise the Lord that there's a better place waiting on the people of God. If this world was heaven, as some groups claim, I would not want it. No, there is a better place waiting on the children of God when we leave this world. Jesus told us a little bit about it in John 14, verses 1 through 3. John told us a little bit about it in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. And my mind has tried to think about that place, but one day these eyes will see its glory. and These feet will walk its endless streets. These ears will hear the sweet songs of Zion. They will hear the sweetest sound ever fall upon their ears. They will hear the Savior say, Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Praise the Lord. One day we're going home. This 144,000, they are a rescued army. But notice in verses 2 and 3, They are a rejoicing army. These men have been rescued from the terrors of the tribulation. They have witnessed death and destruction on an unprecedented level. They have watched the world turn its back on God and embrace the devil as their new God. And they've seen this world fall at the feet of the Antichrist and worship him as God. They have seen things more horrible than anything you and I could ever imagine. But this verse finds them home in heaven in the presence of Jesus. They are home. And heaven is filled with the praises and the sounds of their worship. And heaven is filled with joy because of the presence of the Lamb. What a contrast. There is between this world and heaven. This world is a world filled with pain and sorrow and tears. None of those things will be allowed over there, according to Revelation 21, verse 4. This world is marred by disease and death. They will not be found over there. This world is in the grip of sin and Satan. Both will be banned in heaven, Revelation 21, 28. This world is perishing. That world will endure for all eternity. They are rejoicing in heaven today, and we will join them one day soon. One day, we will take our last steps in this wicked, harsh world. We will leave here. We're going to fly away to be with the one who died for us on Calvary's cross. We'll see the one who loved us in spite of our sins, we'll see Jesus and we'll be in glory. We're headed to that city and one day we're going to be home. In verse three, we see they have a new song. The 144,000 are overcome with joy because they're in the presence of God and of the Lamb. They're overwhelmed. They burst into song. They sing a song that is unique to them. It is a new song, and no one is qualified to sing it but them. The word learn means to understand. No one can understand their song because no one has had their experiences. A new song is worth noting is mentioned some seven times in the Old Testament. It's always used as a means to praise the Lord for some great amazing thing that he's done. Now there was a day when the Lord saved our soul, saved my soul, and when he did He placed a new song within our heart, and the only songs my soul knew were the songs of the world, but all my soul knew were the laments and the the dinginess of the life of sin and sorrow, but when he saved me, he gave me a brand new song, Psalm 40, verses one through three, and if you're born again, you know what I'm speaking of. I went down that day singing the song of the broken hearted lost sinner and I came up singing amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm bound, was blind, but now I see. And since that glorious day, God has been adding verses to my songs of praise. And that day I knew that he had saved me and I didn't know everything that it was all about. But now I can sing about his faithfulness, his blessings, his glory, his goodness, his grace, his presence, and his provisions. I can sing because he's changed my life and given me a new song. He's given me a song that is as unique as I am. And if you're born again, he's done the same thing for you. I can't put every word of my song into a verse down here. But when I get home to glory, I'll be able to sing a new new song with glory in my soul. And I will have the vocabulary and the means for which to give him praise of which he's worthy. This army of 144,000 is not only a rescued army, they are rejoicing army. Not only are they a rejoicing army, they are a redeemed army according to verses 4 and 5. These 144,000 are a special group of people. They represent the choicest of God's servant down through the ages. And there have been many men and women who made their mark for Christ and took their stand a little taller than the rest. But these next two verses describe these men and what the Bible says about them should be true of every saint of God. Verse 4, we're told that these men have maintained their physical purity. They have not fallen prey to the sins of the flesh that will mark the last days. Beyond that, they have not succumbed to the spiritual fornication that will run rampant in the world during the tribulation days. The world will go after the great whore, Revelation fourteen eight and Revelation 17, verse 1. But these men will stay separated and holy during an apostate age. God expects the same from his children in all ages. His command is for us to stay separate from this wicked world, and we are to hate even the garment spotted by the flesh, Jude 23. Verse 4, we also see that they're surrendered. These 144,000 preachers have followed the Lord Jesus wherever he led them. They did not turn their back. Through fear, they did not turn away from their task, even though it was dangerous and costly. They stayed the course. They followed the Lamb. And the word follow means to be in the same way as. These men walked in the same ways of the Lord. And they made his way their way, and they stayed the course for the glory of God. Now, again, this is just what God expects from each one of us. He saved us to walk in his will and to follow his ways, and he wants us to be obedient, surrendered followers. He wants us to make his way our way. Of course, this means that that we have to see things the way he sees them and do the things the way he does them. The Lord wants us to follow him wherever he leads us with no regrets, no refusals, and no reservations. He is looking for obedient servants. Reminds me of a story that I read years and years ago about a man by the name of William Borden. William Borden was born into wealth as an heir to the Borden Dairy Fortune, but he soon recognized true wealth was to be found in a different type of inheritance, being a child of God and an heir with Christ. Borden lived a short but high-impact life. He graduated high school at age 16, and he quickly decided to become a missionary after seeing the global need for Christ on a trip through Asia, the Middle East, and all of Europe. He memorialized this decision by writing, and I quote, no reserves in the back of his Bible. After revolutionizing the campus of Yale University by starting a weekly prayer and Bible study attended by three-fourths of the student body. Borden could have started his career with any corporation he desired, but he stood firm in his decision to become a missionary and then went on to enroll in Princeton Seminary. Once again, he made a record of his decision in the back of his Bible, and I quote, no retreats was his entry. After finishing Princeton Seminary, Borden studied Arabic in Egypt to reach Muslims in China. He died from spinal meningitis shortly thereafter. Though he never reached his intended mission field, Borden impacted many people during his life for Christ. The last entry in the back of his Bible was, and I quote, "...no regrets." Friend, God wants all of his children to live lives of great impact. And he gave us the example of William Borden as an inspiration. No reserves. Sacrifice yourself. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that present your body bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. Offer your entire being, body, mind, and soul to God as a living sacrifice. Allow him to use you as he desires and discover his perfect will for your life. No reserves, but then no retreats. Press on. Philippians 3.14, I press for the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. After totally surrendering to God, you'll face distraction, you'll face discouragement, and then you'll want to revoke your sacrifice and not follow God's will. Stay focused. Stay focused on God and rely on his resurrection power to reach forward for what lies ahead. No retreats and then no regrets. Finish the course. Paul says, I'm now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Offering yourself unreservedly and unrelentingly requires great faith. God honors your faith. and He will help you fight the good fight so that you can live without regrets and hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Going back to verse 4, these 144,000 were chosen, saved, and sealed at the beginning of the tribulation. They went out and preached the gospel to the ends of the earth, and just as the first, first sheaves of grain were taken into the temple and weighed before the Lord as a symbol of the harvest that was to follow. These men are symbolic of all those who will be saved through their ministry. They were the first, and they were the guarantee of more to follow. I cannot imagine how hard the ministry of these men is going to be. It's hard in these days, but it will be far more difficult then. What a comfort it is to know that God is going to use them to reap reap a vast harvest of souls during the tribulation period. Only in heaven will we know the impact of their ministry. By the way, the same is true of us. We will not know until we arrive home in glory just how the Lord has used our lives. Therefore, we must stay the course for his glory and allow him to use us when and where he sees fit until he calls us home. May we do the will of God from the heart, Ephesians 6. 6. Verse 5 reminds us that they are sanctified. These men stand in the presence of God, complete and perfect. The Bible says that there was no guile found in them. The word guile means deceit. The word was used to speak of something that was a decoy, something that gave the appearance of being real but was not real. These men claimed to be the servants of Almighty God, and their walk matched their words. They were not fakes. They were the real deal. And the word fault means blemish. These men had no flaws in their lives that could be pointed out by men. Now, even in the presence of God, they're declared faultless by him. Again, there's a word here for saints living in this day, in this hour. Like the 144,000, our walk is to match our words. We should live out before men what we claim to be before God, 1 John 2 and 6. We should live lives that are without blemish so that we might stand in his presence with confidence when we see him, 1 John two twenty eight. You and I, my friend, are faulty at best. We all fail. We all fall short of the glory of God down here. There is coming a day when the evil flesh will drop away forever and we will stand perfect and without fault in his presence. What a day! What a day! What a glorious day that will be. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We trust it's been a blessing. Trust you'll have a great week in the Lord. Log on to our website, gospeldynamite.org and let us know if you've accepted Christ or this message has helped you. God bless you and we trust you. Have a great day in the Lord.